Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. This episode is called Business Agility, and I have a pleasure to have here a guest, Evan Leiburn, the founder and CEO of the Business Agility Institute. In the previous episode, I was talking about the growing need for business agility and implications of that trend to the leadership. So let's hear some insights about business agility from a person who created a space for a very active global community to put together the largest library of stories and case studies about business agility. Evan, so at the beginning, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about what was the impulse for starting Business Agility Institute? To be honest, we started the Institute because there was a need. Uh, we actually started with a conference. So I was employed by another organization. I was a consultant. And I was sitting in India with uh, Ellen Grove, a, a coach from Canada. And we were lamenting the state of agile conferences And she challenged me to create a business agility conference. If those were the stories we wanted to hear, why don't I create one? So I took the challenge, I created the conference. And there's a, a longer story behind the trials and tribulations of, of running that. But it was a success. We had hundreds of people join us from all over the world, from Portugal to Jamaica, from India to New Zealand join us to talk and learn and listen and be part of that business agility community. I kind of had this arrogant assumption that I would know most of the people who would turn up, right? I just assumed that I had my finger on the pulse of business agility and that 80% of the attendees would be from my first or second degree networks. The truth is far from that. What was... What struck me was just the sheer magnitude and the breadth of this community. And it humbled me. It made me realize that there were a lot of people that I had never heard of, companies I'd never heard of, who needed these conversations. And so that inspired me to resign and start the Institute, mm -hmm. along with Ahmed Sidki, my co-founder. What makes the conference unique? Why did they all show up? Oh, to be fair, you have something to do with that as well through the facilitation. Um, but in all seriousness, I had a vision of creating an event where everyone was a participant. Right? Now, I can't put 400 people on stage, but this is an advanced community. Everyone's got stories to tell. So we designed an approach through these facilitated dialogues and deep dives We designed this approach where people could learn and share with each other right, through dialogue and discussion. 
And this recognition and respect that we give delegates, that we give people who are not speakers, but we put them on a pedestal nonetheless. Everyone comes to this conference ready to share and ready to participate, not just simply ready to learn. And you were running it mostly based on volunteers, right? The first year, you didn't even have any employees. However, the impact you created was quite impressive, right? So what's the magic? If you want to run something <laughs> based on volunteers, what shall we do? So the Institute itself is, without exaggeration, I have one employee. Uh, with myself, that makes two. So two staff, effectively. This doesn't lend itself to anywhere near what we've managed to create over the last three, almost four years. What we do have are just over 300 volunteers all around the world, some helping with events. Uh, we have 14 research projects, uh, 14 research teams. Uh, so they are, it's either academic or industry professional researchers. We have a library of hundreds of case studies and reference guides um, contributed by volunteers and, and thought leaders in the community. I gave a talk at the Agile 100 conference earlier, and a large part of that talk was harkening back to a piece of advice that I was given very early in my career, which was bring people with you. Now, obviously, the context of that was I was a manager. I wasn't a great manager, to be honest. And my boss at the time was helping me, teaching me how to be a better leader. And that advice, bring people with you, has stuck with me ever since. And so when we started the Institute, we started it on a basis of mutual respect and mutual growth. So we respect the expertise and the intelligence and the capabilities of every single person in the community, whether they've got 15 years business agility experience or 15 months. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's an American saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. So our goal is to be the rising tide. So we act for the benefit of everybody, not just our members, not just like the business owners, myself and Ahmed, right? but we act for the community. And so because of that, with the respect, people want to help because they want to be part of lifting, rising all the ships. They want to be part of something that's um, a global movement. And it's very gratifying to see just the level of support and the level of goodwill that we've managed to accrue over the last few years. And it's pretty amazing because I remember at one point of a time when either the physical conferences were still running, you've been running like uh, six or eight conferences globally in all different places like US, Europe, Africa, Australia, of course. And I'm sure I missed some <laughs> locations, but it was like, wow. And they only have two employees and are able to do all that. How fascinating. So when you return to that time, what was the most challenging? Okay, so there are so many challenging things when you're running an organization of a global scale, especially on very, very limited resources. But the truth is, the biggest challenge was our own growing pains. Um, my daughter's eight, right? So I'm watching her grow up and I'm watching her get taller and, and 
her inner life becomes more complex. Right? But with that comes all of the challenges and the literal physical pain of growing older or growing up right? as her body, like she's, goodness, like the, she'll be my height by the time she's 13 or 14. It's terrifying. Right? But an organization is the same. Now, we went from having one conference in New York. Right? Within three years, we had 19 conferences around the world. We grew from one report, the Business Agility Report, and now we have 14 research teams. We went from having a two, three, four meetups around the world. Right? I think it was Bangalore was the first, then New York was the second. Um, I think was it Pune was the third or maybe even Melbourne, I forget. But we only had three or four to begin with. And now we have close to 70 meetups and four not-for-profit chapters. Right? We have four separate legal entities in Peru, Colombia, Brazil, and the United Kingdom. And the library has grown from a glorified wiki to uh, hundreds of case studies. We engage writers on a semi-regular basis to help collate and, and publish material. Um, we're launching our organization certification program. So we're doing a lot. And our employee base went from one, which was me, to two. So the complexity of the organization accelerated exponentially faster than the revenues or the operational capability of the organization. So this is where sort of business agility comes in, not just as the, like what we're talking about, but for ourselves. Uh, so uh, very simple things like limiting work in progress. This has become something that's very important to us because there's so many elements that it's very easy for us to forget something or to do something and just do it poorly because we don't have the capability or the resources to do it well. Uh, and volunteers, as amazing as they are, they're, they can't do everything. Uh, so there are certain things that if we can't do it properly, we have to, it's, do we do it a half-assed job or not at all? And in an agile sense, a business agility sense, we have to limit whip and it sits on the backlog until we're ready. The other aspect of this is uh, a, a very old concept called systems thinking. And what's important is that everything that we do links to everything else. There's a pattern. So when we talk about launching a publishing imprint, so BAI, BAI Press is literally a thing. We can publish books. We didn't start that because we wanted to publish books. We started that because the system of our organization uh, relies on generating and publishing content, inspiration. Uh, fundamentally, our mission is to inspire. And some people are inspired by stories and some people are inspired by data. That's why we have a research team as well. So if we're fundamentally inspiring people, launching that publishing imprint was an ability to amplify and connect various our research teams and people who write case studies and give additional platforms for inspiration. So everything that we do has to be considered from a systems perspective. Otherwise, it's just disconnected and it might be cool, it might be fun, right? but it's not worth our energy.
And a real example of this is we have an idea and it's still in the backlog. I'd love to do it, right? Um, but literally to launch an MBA program, because if we're going to change leaders of the future, we've got to change how they learn. And as much as I do have a lot of respect for uh, leadership courses, Cal, for example, from Scrum Alliance or the LEA from IC Agile, those are very good at giving people a taste of agile leadership. Leadership coaches are really good at giving leaders that ongoing support to get better at leadership, at leading. But there's a, a gap in the market. There's a gap in that education system because all of these people who are getting their MBAs, right, for the most part, and this might be a little bit of hyperbole, but for the most part, they're learning 1980s management systems. So if we're going to like close the loop and supplement or support all of these education providers, we've got to hit people at that tertiary university level education as well. Now, as much as I love the idea, and we went and explored and we did our pricing and, and we know how to do it and we know what to do. Right? We had to make a tough decision that as much as we love the idea, it's not something that we could do right now at this time in this place. Right? We had to make that tough call to put aside something that was that we had a lot of passion for because it would have damaged the Institute to have diluted and to like defocused. Um, so that's the secret. Business agility is half. It's as it's about leadership. It's about making decisions. It's about strategy, but some of it's about what you're not doing as much as it is about what you are doing. I like that. Speaking about what we are not doing. That's what many organizations are missing. And speaking of that, how organizations are changing on their agile journey. What is really required from their leaders? Do they have to change as well? So that's a big question because leadership is a very broad topic, right? And I'll go further and I'll also say management as well because there is a skill of management that I think has been lost. If you look at mass media, all the comedies and everything else, managers are literally a joke. Uh, the managers from um, uh, Office Space, the, uh, the Dilbert pointy head boss. Managers are at best incompetent, at worst evil, right? Machiavellian. And management has almost become a dirty word. Everyone wants to be a leader. No one wants to be a manager anymore. So we have to highlight what are the skills of a good manager because we know it's important. We know that um, I think managers make up something like 70% of employee engagement scores, as in your experience with your manager is 70% of your engagement in your organization. We know that people are more likely to resign and leave your company, good people leaving your company because of poor managers and any other reason, right? Not leaders, managers, right? So this is a very stark reminder of just how important good management skills are. So what we're looking at when we're talking about leadership and management in agile organizations and business agility, these are managers who know how to delegate. I don't mean delegate work, I mean delegate outcomes. And I know I used to work, I used to be a public servant 
I used to work for the government. And I was a mid-level executive. And despite being in a position of authority, uh, my managers, plural, because <laughs> it's a government, there's a lot of layers. They treated me like a set of hands, not a head. So they would delegate work. We need this minute or this memo to go to the secretary or to the minister uh, in two or three weeks. So I would write what I think was a pretty damn good minute, right? And it would go up. But it's not, it was how I would write and it wasn't how they would write. Uh, and so my manager would, or actually technically my manager's manager, because my manager was actually pretty awesome, right? But his boss right, would send it back to me and say, we need this change, this change, this change. And I would have 10 rounds of revision before that, that memo and minute finally got approved, not to go to the minister at this point, but to go to my boss's boss's boss, who would then send it back down with their changes. Right? And was that minute, was that memo better after the 10th, 15th round of change? No. Right? What it was is they would have written that document themselves if they had the time. All they wanted was extra hands. They wanted to be the head. So they wanted to see their voice, hear their words. They just wanted me to do what they would do with if they had a hundred pairs of hands. That's a scary image. Um, but that's not the kind of management that we want. We want managers and leaders who delegate outcomes, who accept that how you work is perhaps different to how like I would work. Right? And that's okay. That variation, that diversity is something to be embraced and to be accepted and to understand, is it fit for purpose? Right? I'm not saying, is it good enough? I'm not saying like, like we let subpar or poor material get past. No, a manager does have a quality oversight responsibility, but just because it's not the way you would do it doesn't make it wrong. And a big problem in organizations today is our very structures are geared towards this bad form of management because most organizations are structured by functional hierarchy, which means if you're a senior uh, campaign manager and you have a set of marketing campaign leads under you, or you're a senior developer or a development lead and you have a series of developers reporting up to you, you are by definition better at their job than they are because you've got 10 more years experience, you know that skill. And so it's so easy to fall into the trap of going, well, I know better than you, right? Because you do in many cases, but that doesn't help them learn. Right? Just telling them what to do doesn't actually help them be a better marketing campaign lead. It doesn't help them be a better developer. And so you have to create a space for people to do things their own way to try be there when they make mistakes, but don't assume that um, just because you have more experience, your way might, must be better. Because the truth is sometimes it's not. Those new kids coming out of university know things that you don't know, that you were never taught and never learnt. Uh, so embrace that as much as you need to be there to support them. Business agility is changing how the organization operates, the role of managers, the hierarchical structure, and everything in it. But is the entire society shifting as well? And where do you see that shift? So that's a very broad question. Um, the answer is yes. 
right? Society is definitely shifting. Uh, you just see that in the newspaper articles about millennials killing work. Right? People are expecting to work in different ways. People are looking for more meaning in their work. That is, that is definitely happening, but it's more nuanced than that because there are cultural issues at play. Um, the one of the very last events that I went to before COVID-19 locked everything down was the Business Agility Conference in Nigeria. And there was an amazing talk about what does African agility look like? Right? How does this very Western individual autonomy, team collective good mentality, how does that uh, and, and remember, Agile, we, it's emerged out of America. Uh, it's drawing on several Asian concepts coming out of Lean and TPS and so forth. But even there, it's a very Western construct. How does that work in Africa? Uh, and there are serious issues there where, and it's not just agility, just, it's like digital transformations and the, and the changing work landscape. So it's not uncommon for your boss to be younger than you, right? and there's nothing wrong with that as well. A good manager, a good leader, doesn't necessarily have to have 50 years of experience to be good. And for that matter, someone who does have 50 years experience at whatever their job is, doesn't necessarily make a good manager. Right? So it's quite reasonable to have a younger boss than you are. Now, here's the question. In regions like Africa, where respect for your elder is such a cultural and, and i'm talking nigeria specifically but it's true quite quite broadly it is so ingrained how can you be transparent about performance how can you instruct and give guidance to someone who is your elder but also your subordinates simultaneously and that is a huge cultural challenge now, it's one in Australia we don't really have. It's, I've had younger bosses, I've had older bosses, and as long as they're a good boss, I, I'm there with them the whole way. So it's not easy to say that everything is changing because we're hitting up against cultural expectations, we're hitting up against and like national culture, uh, personal identity, corporate culture. A lot of these things are being hit against. And as much as business agility is sort of making inroads, it's a generational change more than anything else. As the next generation of workers come into the workforce and go, we want a better work environment. And they damn well better get one. Like, I'll be honest, like I said, my daughter, I, by, by the time she's in the workforce, I'd like this idea of autonomy, mastery and purpose, as Dan Pink puts it, the idea of empowerment, this idea of of ownership and feel doing meaningful work whether you're making a coffee whether you're stacking shelves there should be value in that there's the old saying um bishop is walking down the streets and i think i think it's like it's an apocryphal story i think it's about notre dame or something and it's like it comes across these it is there to inspect the construction of the new of the new cathedral and he comes across a worker and it's like so what are you doing and the worker says i'm building a wall walks up to the to the next worker it's like and what are you doing it's like i'm building a cathedral that sense of perspective if that person who is just laying bricks uh, if that person who is just making a coffee has a sense of pride and ownership then that 
makes work worthwhile. It doesn't matter what the work is, as long as it is done with a sense of pride and a sense of self-worth. And if I can make sure that any job my daughter gets and your daughter gets uh, has that sense of pride and self-worth, and I'm damn well done. That's that's my job. I can retire happy. <laughs> and I can agree with that. I have two more questions for you today. What can we as Agile community do better to help organizations to be more successful on their Agile journey? I'll keep it simple. Understand the system. Systems thinking is, I think, a very underrated skill. And quite often, the Agile community goes in with a very narrow view. Right? Um, they bring their... There's, a, there's an Agile toolbox. Scrum, Safe, Less, DA, Pair Programming, Retrospectives. Right? These are great tools, but they are, at the end of the day, just tools. And you have to keep your eyes on the goal, the system that exists. Uh, so the job to be done, you, you don't buy a drill because you want to drill, you buy a drill because you want to hold. Uh, and the same is true in the agile space. Walk into an organization, not to install Scrum or Safe, or less, or DA uh, into the software function, because that is narrow-minded and, in some cases, actually damaging. Look at the system. Where is the constraint to agility? What tool in your toolbox is the right one? And it doesn't even have to start with A. It doesn't have to be an agile tool. Bring tools from Lean. Bring tools from OD. Bring tools from anywhere that is necessary to make organizations better right? and yes agile and scrum are in many cases the right tool but don't assume that they're always the right tool for the right job in the right context look at the system in its totality not just what you've been asked to do in one tiny function in an organization and the last one is what is the future of agile Oh, that's a terrible question. <laughs> no, no, and, and no, it's a great question. It is a great question. I'm sorry. The problem is there is no answer, all right? Because um, I don't know. And the, no, actually, here's my answer. I don't care, all right? Um, I don't need to know what the future of Agile is going to be. I just need to be Agile enough to adapt to it. There's the answer. Doesn't matter what the future is. Just be adaptable and embrace it. But the truth is I have no idea what the future of Agile is going to be. And I'm, I'm along for the ride and I will shape it and I will make it better and I will help people along the way. But as much as I will help shape the future, I will be shaped by it. So I'm just, uh, in Australia, there's a saying, she'll be right. And that's kind of the, the that sort of, it's almost laissez-faire in French. It, it's that sense of uh, the future will turn out the way that the future is going to turn out. And if you can accept it, if you can embrace it, she'll be right. So thank you very much. It was a lovely conversation with you today. In a summary, we talk about bringing people with you as one of the core concepts of business agility, but also that everything you do needs to be considered from the system perspective. Business agility is hard, you need to change the leadership, strategy, make decisions, but also 
sometimes it's more about what you're not doing than what you are really doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening. Thank you.